Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you quarantined today? Locked in like a bed in a bug. Is that, uh, is, uh, <laughs> that is, is a bed inside a bug? We're, well, we're, the, we're, we're the a Locked a bed? On podcast. We, we could be the Locked In podcast. <laughs> we should, should be after that. What the heck? I, I think I'll put a bed inside a bug. I must be well, going crazy saying, in day four of the quarantine or however many days I've been here. Has your quarantining been going okay? Yeah, it's fine, actually. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just just watching lots and lots of TV and movies and sleeping in and cooking meals. And we haven't really <laughs> had to go to a funeral yesterday. I won't get too much into that. That was a little... That was difficult, but some friends had lost a, ch- a child, and uh, you couldn't. Not to not, this, though, right? No, not to this. Not to this. It was completely unrelated. But so we, we did that, and there was all sorts of precautions taken at the church and everything. Just a real sad, Jeez. sad thing. But in, in three days, uh, that's the only thing I left the house for. So it's pretty, uh, pretty bleak around here. But uh, I just hope everybody's staying safe, and you just got to do what you got to do. The only way this thing will ever end is if everyone follows the rules. All I can do is do, you know, follow the rules myself. But but it's just going to be a real, it's not fair to the rest of us who follow the rules when there's a bunch of people that don't. And, and that that's why it'll linger, you know, forever and ever and ever until we have a vaccine, which is a long way off. Yeah, it, this is going to be something that's out there for some time. Um, I don't think there's any doubt about it. And uh, this is something that we're going to have to deal with. And I think, I I really do believe this. I'm not trying to downplay it. Maybe one of our listeners has COVID-19. I'm sympathetic, whatever. Um, I'm not trying to say that it's a nothing burger. It is a something burger. But I think that once we figure out a little more, everything will calm down. The scariest thing to everyone is the unknown. We talked about that, about Jaws how it was so much scarier when we didn't know what the giant shark looked like. We, we figured it was a shark. We had a good idea it was a shark, but we didn't know exactly what it looked like. And the movie got a lot less scary when the shark jumped on the boat. If you don't see the monster, then you imagine the scariest thing possible. And that is different per person. And so that's kind of like this disease when you don't know what you're dealing with, you imagine it as being god-awful, and it might be god-awful. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying I don't think it is, and once we know about it and once we know how to combat it, um, it's kind of interesting that HBO right now is running a marathon on The Outsider, and I know you never watched it, but I would highly recommend you watch it. It's good, and it's kind of the same thing. I mean, it, you had to – everybody was scared because they didn't they, – they couldn't accept – they didn't know what they were battling in a way, like I say, everybody was scared. Some of the main characters were scared because they didn't know exactly what they were battling. And then once they figured out, okay, we kind of know what we're battling now. Do we even know that we can kill it? And they were like, well, it's alive. So it has to be able to be killed. And once you think of things in that way and you start going down the steps, um, maybe it makes people feel a little better. So bottom line, if everybody just watch HBO, problem <laughs> solved. That's the cure. That's the cure. This, watch this that message show. was paid for by HBO. <laughs> yep. Um, day, okay. I, I keep wanting to say it's day four. I I I actually started. I mean, I, I myself I started drastically changing my 
daily schedule probably eight or nine days ago. And uh, so, so to me, I've been doing this for a while and we'll continue to do it for uh, as long as we, we have to, and we'll, uh, we'll figure it out. Hey, our grandparents were, uh, were storming beaches and beachheads under, under fire from the Nazis to change the world. All we got to do is sit home and watch TV and movies. I think we'll be fine. Um, I, I think I've told this story on here before about how my grandmother, um, one day she was, uh, making stuffed bell peppers and is that a Southern thing? I, I mean, I don't ever see them anywhere else. I've only you lived in the South. About? I don't know if okay. it's a Southern thing. I've only lived in the South. It's a thing to me. It, it is. Okay. So to you, it's just a thing. I mean, it's sort of like, uh, <laughs> who was the comedian that said I was eating Chinese food in China? And of course there, they just call it food. Yeah, they call um, it food. Yeah, but uh, uh, anyway, she was making stuffed bell peppers, and she would cut the top and then put all the brown meat and whatever mixture in there, breading, whatever. And then she took the top, and she would wrap all these tops into, like, uh, aluminum foil, not aluminum foil, like saran wrap, and then put it in the freezer. And I was like, Granny, what are you doing? And she said, you know, I lived through the Depression. We didn't waste anything. I mean, those people were like – you know, the first Native Americans. I mean, you know, while we're over here shooting buffalo and leaving the, the carcass to rot, I mean, they're, they're using everything. I mean, and it, yeah. it, it, it's times like this where you start to, uh, you clean out your basement, which is something, ironically, I did today. And it's funny because I was down there. We still have stuff from when we moved in this house like a year and a half ago. And it, the ba- we have this huge downstairs area that's just unfinished. And eventually it'll be a man cave or something, I hope. But Right now, it's just got a bunch of boxes, and it's mostly my wife's boxes. And the boxes would say things like, you know, school books, and it'd be like a sixth grade textbook. And I'm down there by myself because there's no way we could clean out the basement together because she'd be like, oh, yeah, that means a lot to me. And so, like, I had to sort of – because I have to choose what I think means something to her and or what I think means nothing to her, and if I throw it away, she won't miss it. Um, but one Oof, thing I found – It's a lot of pressure. I found – I know it is a lot of pressure, so I threw away very little, but I threw away enough to help clean up. But I did find, I'm not shitting you, approximately 157 candles, which made me wonder immediately if my wife is a Wiccan um, and if I'm going to be a part of some sacrifice later down the road. But I'll just have to deal with that. Or she'll have to buy some more candles because I threw most of them some bitches away. Um, All right, so Jimmy, let's go ahead and take our first break. And when we come back, we're going to continue on with it because there really hadn't been any new Alabama news out there. As far as I know, we did get a baseball commitment and we can talk about him if you want to, but we're not going to have to deal with baseball until a year from now. So I'm not going to get into that. Um, and also I think this is like a 2022 guy. So, <laughs> I mean, we might not see this guy. I mean, I may not make it to see this guy. So I don't want to get into more depressing shit. I want to talk about shit I have seen. Um, when we come back, we're going to continue our series on games that we've watched and loved. And it's going to be the 2015 Georgia game, and we'll talk about that when we get back. All right, Jimmy. This 2015 Georgia game, uh, I only watched the, uh, the, the, you know, the little 30-minute deal on YouTube right. or whatever, which those things are great. I'm sure that's what you did, too. Aren't those things great? Uh, it's extremely helpful uh, when you're, I mean, it's extremely helpful, especially for this, this task in particular. I think I've had, 
Jeez, drop my equipment there. If I dropped the phone, uh, if I had all, God, that was the whole, whole amount of the equipment was the phone. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> if I had like, if I was watching it like and had you know all day to kill sort of thing, I would definitely watch the whole CBS broadcast from that day. But uh, no, when you're like, uh, hey, I need to watch this, and 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 and, and I don't have all day, it, it's awesome. It's awesome. And there's various. You can find anything, really. I mean, you know, various highlight packages, game stories. I mean, so, uh, yep, yep, yep. The uh, World Wide Web is a wonderful place. So this was a 2.30 ESPN game. So, obviously, uh, Uncle yeah. Vern is your play-by-play guy, which is something I always loved anyway. I miss him already. I like sure. Brad Nestler, as I've said it before, but I, I miss Vern. Um, me and some buddies went to this game in Georgia. It rained, rained. like hell. Oh, God, it rained. Oh, it rained so hard. It was miserable, miserable rain where they just quit checking all the rain gear you bought for liquor. They were like, if you're going into this game, dude, just you deserve just it. Just drink up. And I didn't have <laughs> and I didn't even have any um rain boots. I just had like some regular old tennis shoes. Those things were you know how nasty your shoes get when you've been in like just rain all day and your socks are funky and your your feet are all pickled and oh it was bad. I mean the game was great, but um that part was bad. But uh rewatching it again, that's the first thing that jumped out was um the rain. And then the other thing that jumped out, we kick off to them and they have a couple of plays to Malcolm Mitchell. Didn't we really want Malcolm Mitchell really badly? We recruited Malcolm Mitchell very hard. Sure did. If I remember right, um, I think we sort of <laughs> saw him as a DB, maybe. Is that right? Does that ring a bell that we sort of – I think that's right. Sort of felt right. he was a defensive back. Or, of course, that was always – you know, it's it's this simple. When the head coach is a defensive guy and, and it's a guy that could go either way, he's going to he's gonna kind of see what he wants to see out of these elite, elite guys. It's kind of like – he still does it to this day. We just got Drew Sanders in the last class, and the main reason we got him is, you know, Nick Saban sees the kid and says, oh, you're a defensive player, and Oklahoma sees him and says, oh, you're an offensive player. The kid wants to play defense. That's why he's at Alabama. He didn't He didn't commit to Alabama because of Bear Bryant or even Nick Saban or 17 national championships. He wants to play defense, so he's going to the defensive school. That's that's Alabama. And, uh yeah, I think I think we recruited Malcolm Mitchell to play defense, and he didn't want to hear it. He wanted to play offense. Why does every Georgia fan treat every defensive tackle they make like it was a hit, like it was Lawrence Taylor laying the wood to somebody? Have you noticed that? Like, is that just me? Like, every play, every defensive play, it could be like a trip-up or, or a wrap-up after a four-yard game. Everybody's like, ooh. And I'm thinking it wasn't a big a hit. That wasn't a big a deal. I think they exaggerate accomplishment a little much. You know, I, th- I think in general, in general, you're noticing a it. trend. <laughs> I think in general that might be a thing with them. Um, the other thing that jumped out to me about this game, the listen to this. I mean, how this team didn't go undefeated. I guess the uh, 2015, uh, you know, game the the. The outlier of all outlier games forever and ever is Alabama losing to Ole Miss because we have five turnovers. They have none. Um, we do everything we can possibly do to win the game and somehow trip over ourselves and they actually win it. But this team had Derrick Henry. These are all NFL players now. Derrick Henry, Calvin Ridley, Ryan Howard – oh, excuse me, O.J. Howard, Ryan Kelly, Kenyon Drake – Cam Robinson, Deron Payne, Eddie Jackson, Marlon Humphrey, Minka Fitzpatrick, 
Reuben Foster, Reggie Raglan, Sean Dion Hamilton, Ashawn Robinson, Jaron Reed, who just signed a massive deal, uh, Jonathan Allen and Ronnie Harrison. And it had, it was quarterbacked by Jake Coker, who was a really, really great athlete, probably could have played pro baseball, I assume. And it also had Cyrus Jones who played in the pros and may still be playing, you know, maybe on a practice squad. I just don't know about this team was disgusting. (laughs) We were really, really, really good. We had a ton of talent in uh, 15 and 16, I think in 2015 and 2016. And, would have been back-to-back national champs if not for one play with one second on the clock by Deshaun Watson, who's proving to be one of the all-time great NFL quarterbacks, frankly, if he stays healthy. But, uh, yeah, that was a great, great team talent everywhere. And, you know, that Ole Miss game, I'll forever feel this way because I was always kind of a Coker fan, maybe because he's, you know, a guy from my backyard that I always liked and thought would be good. Uh, I think we lost that game. Because maybe on Monday or Tuesday, or maybe Sunday or Monday of, of, of that game week, we had an offensive meeting where Lane Kiffin decided that our best chance to beat Ole Miss was playing Cooper Bateman. We lost the game right then and there. The game was lost right there. <laughs> so no, we, yeah, that's we, right. we, we, we deserve that. We deserve to lose based on that decision, which was proven in the game to be a horrible decision as when we finally went to Coker, we came back and almost stole the win at the end, almost. And, you know, have we put in Coker three series earlier or the game had lasted five minutes longer, you know, Alabama would have won, but uh, yeah. So, so Alabama actually goes into this Georgia game and this is what I remember even, you know, watching the tape and everything standing out to me, Luke. uh, and, And what I remember this was the game we were an underdog. We were the underdog for the first time in years that week. That week, the Georgia Vegas game, yeah. had, yeah, Vegas had Georgia uh, to, to win the game. We we hadn't been, we'd been, uh, and we had just lost to Ole Miss. And when I say just lost, I think we had lost two weeks before, maybe. I think that Ole Miss game was like correct. just two weeks before. And uh, gosh, there, there was this big question: like, is this team good? But like you just said, Luke, you just went over all the players. Heck yeah, we were good. And uh, we proved it that day. Another thing is, how is Georgia favored when their quarterback for the game was Grayson Lambert? I mean, <laughs> why, was Georgia, that is true. why was Georgia favored to win? And th- th- those are the main that, things in the broader sense that stick out to me. And frankly, we started our national, I think our national championship march began in this game. Because... This game proved we had put Ole Miss and that debacle behind us, and we were we were playing for real. We're playing for keeps every week now. Uh, that was a national championship level performance in Athens. Yeah, that game was uh, <laughs> that was something else. But twenty four three at the half. Game. It was twenty four three at the half, and it, it starts off with Derrick. We on our first drive, Derrick Henry fumbles, um, and it was a very like nondescript fumble. It was just sort of like in a pile. I I was kind of – it had to be a fumble, though, because nobody came out from the Alabama side debating the fumble. Like, he was down, he was down. There was none of that. Um, and even if he was down, I don't think anybody could have told one way or the other. So, it, Georgia gets the ball back, and then the Alabama defense comes up and does their thing again. Um, and then Alabama ends up going down behind Richard Mullaney, making a couple Mulaney. of catches unbelievably. Good player. Uh, he makes 
Yeah, he he was kind of big in this game. And he, um, are you in an aviary? Where the hell are you? I'm in my backyard. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is live. That is that is not piped in bird sound. That's a live bird. <laughs> that's what you know. What I like. I, I, that's why I like having you go outside and things like that because it's like when I do a game for the HSA, and if we if we have a mic, if we have a reporter on the sidelines, and we go to him, you can hear all the sounds inside. I'm like, yeah, that's football. That's, this feels like yeah, this is a podcast. I can hear the robins <laughs> in the background. Um, but anyway. Uh, no, I believe that's a woodcock I'm hearing. Anyway, um, <laughs> I don't think it is. Anyway, uh, so he fumbles, and we kick a field goal. Adam Griffith kicks a field goal. And then they come down and kick a field goal after a brilliant catch yep. by Michael, Malcolm Mitchell. Tied up. And then Isn't it's just, tied up? I think I tied it up. It was 3-3. Three. Three, and then the ass kicking. And then it just – we flipped a switch, man. And Derrick Henry bust one for about 30 and this is when you start going, okay, that's a vintage. That's so Henry right there. That run was so much Derrick Henry. Just he busted through. And then you're like, how is somebody that big running that fast? And by the time you figure it out, he scored. And um, then, of course, they get another. We get the ball back. And I remembered it where we scored immediately. But we don't. We get the ball back and we go three and out, I think. And then we punt it back to him. In fact, I know we went three and out because Ardarius Stewart dropped a pass. And um, he should have caught it. It would have been a hell of a catch, but he dropped it. Well, we punt to him, and then Minkup blocks the punt, and yep. uh, we take it on in. He takes it in himself for a touchdown. And uh, then we we get the ball back after that, and it's a beautiful vintage Lane Kiffin play action deep pass to Calvin Ridley. How many guys had their coming out party in this game? Right, almost never, but. Uh... Calvin was a uh, freshman in 2015. Sure was. And polished. And I guess, I think at some point we have to mention, and I'm not ripping on the kid. He's been a really good NFL player. Calvin was good all along. Maybe Calvin deserves a little less credit than other true freshmen because he was 26 years old. <laughs> that is a damn fine point. That is a really fine point. Uh, I exaggerate, Jimmy, but not by a, a lot. Let's go ahead and take another break. And when we come back, we'll wrap this this game up but uh i want to talk about some of the guys that made their name known around college football world in this particular contest okay so jimmy what i was thinking was you know Derek, this really was kind of the game that made derrick henry people go okay this guy is he's not the leader for the heisman but he's got a shot you know he had uh 148 yards and, and the one touchdown yeah he had a fumble but, man, he had a big run late in the game, too, that was very nice. Um, and also, he was going head-to-head with another uh, Heisman hopeful in Chubb, and he, he clearly outshone him. And then Calvin Ridley, uh, who had you know been playing okay to this point, he makes the big catch. And I think, you know, it was a relatively easy catch if the conditions were good. But it was raining like hell. He had to extend and – control the ball going full speed in an opposing stadium. And because of all those things, I feel like that made us aware that, oh, Calvin Ridley's pretty damn good too. And not only that, how about Jake Coker? Jake Coker, uh, yeah, we can talk about maybe the Ole Miss game was a catalyst, a cattle prod to his ass that, that, that really kind of turned on the mean streak. Or maybe some people want to say that the, the hit that he absorbed and actually laid on a Texas A&M defender is the moment where he became that Jake Coker. 
But I would say that pass to Ridley, because he took a shot right in the mouth as he released the ball, and then he gets up, and what he doesn't like get up and like look woozy. He gets up and pumps his fist. I mean, he's fired up. And then the last touchdown he had, uh, where he runs a little quarterback sneak, not a quarterback sneak, a little bootleg, and straight into the end zone that fooled everybody, was just such yeah. a beautiful play. Um, man, it was – everything he did that day just seemed to click, and I think the team really bought into him then. Tough. I mean, tough. I would even – boy, this will be controversial, and I'm not saying it's true. I'm throwing it out there as more of a question than a statement. But was 2015 and to some extent 2016, were those are tough – football teams and by tough I mean everything about the team was tough we were mean physical we were physical on offense we had a physical quarterback in uh, in Coker the defense was insanely good in 2015 and 2016 uh you know were those our last really tough teams I'm not saying the Tua teams weren't as tough I'm just saying we just did it differently you know uh with Tua and I think to some extent that that has affected our defense in terms of how we're how we play, but but two things I think about the really bad weather games, and that that was really bad weather. First of all, I consider terrible weather to be sort of a great equalizer. Uh, it, it's not necessarily then about who signed the most five stars. It's about who can stand up without slipping, and the and the, you know who can who can not drop the football. These kids don't get to be five stars because they've shown their excellence playing with a slippery ball. I mean, it can be so much about luck when it comes to playing in a driving rainstorm or the snow or just sort of general bad weather. But secondly, I think also, I'll tell you who wins these bad weather games, the toughest team, the team that's like, hey, we're not going to lose or or we don't care. I remember our softball team, you know, in, uh, coming back in the seventh inning to beat Oklahoma and winning a national championship when it started raining and Alabama got better and Oklahoma got worse. That's because that team was tough. And uh, they, 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 they saw the elements as a reason that they were going to win the game, not a problem. And that's just a tough, tough football team. And we were much tougher than Georgia. And what, what was the main criticism about Mark Rick's Georgia team? Because this was still a Mark Rick team in 2015. And, and that's that they were really talented, but they weren't particularly tough. And uh, I, I think that's what that game was all about. And uh, my game MVP is definitely Derrick Henry, who was uh, created by our Lord to play in games like that and he and he dominated a great great performance by Derrick Henry behind a very tough offensive line a very tough Alabama football team yeah if Hercules was African-American and played football that would that would be what he would look like is Derrick Henry he's an Avenger Derrick's an Avenger man um, but you, you're right about the being tough because as soon as you said that, I started thinking, well, the 16 team, yeah, I mean, it, it was tough and that, but at the same time, there was a lingering doubt forever because of the quarterback position that, that, that doubt and everybody can say, well, uh, Hertz was undefeated until the title game. That's true. But everybody knew that, I mean, he was probably the weak point. Like we were still missing wide open receivers. Uh, and then the next year, um, the, the lingering doubt still there, obviously. And then Tua comes in, and it's the shock and awe moment. And then 2000, uh, was it, I guess 2019, last year was sort of, I don't know, it just didn't have the, or 18. Neither one of them just, it, it, the, I would say, here's the thing. 
this is where Alabama fans stand in terms of evaluating football players to me, is that you look at Tua, and of course, when you think Tua Tungvaloa, the first thing you think of is the pass um, for the national championship against Georgia uh, to Devontae Smith. There's no doubt about it. The second play that I think of isn't even a pass. It's the run with the bum knee against LSU. And that's yep. because I think as an Alabama fan, I'm conditioned to look for the toughness in the quarterback. And yeah. I rem- that's my if, – if Tua didn't have the play to Devontae Smith for the national championship, I think the play we'd remember Tua for is running on a bum leg for a touchdown against LSU. That was his toughest moment far and away. He's a tough kid. We just did it differently under Tua than we did under previous that's quarterbacks. Right. It's kind of like, like we won all the wars with uh, trench warfare and then Tua comes along, and now it's all precision smart bombs. And we were, you know, effective, maybe even more efficient, more efficient, just as effective. But uh, but we just did it differently. So not, I'm not downing any team or, or stating some sort of general thing about the program. I think the beauty of Nick Saban is, is always the offense never really changes. What changes is the emphasis the emphasis changes based on the personnel. Oh, well, we have a quarterback that can get rid of the ball super quick and he's super accurate. Then we're going to do this part of the playbook. Oh, we got a quarterback that's kind of limited in his ability to complete passes downfield. Okay, then we're going to do this thing that's in the playbook. He, he emphasizes players and emphasizes playmakers while at the same time never really changing what we do. And, and it's always built around toughness and the ability to run the football even with Tua out there we still ran the ball quite a bit and did yeah, pretty yeah. well not Najee ran for what 1200 yards last year something like that something like that here's the other thing that two things that just came to me I'd forgotten about Lane Tiffin Cooper Bateman Jacob Coker uh, love triangle and that being the Ole Miss game for the test run there and isn't it ironic now that Lane Tiffin is the head coach at Ole Miss <laughs> they might still be thanking um, him over there. That's, that's why they hired him. Yeah, well, exactly. we owed you one. We owed you one when you started the <laughs> third string quarterback at Utah against us in that game in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> and then uh, the other thing, oh, well, I, I thought about this with Georgia was, you know, whereas the Alabama team, their true toughness seemed to come out in this game, I would say the true Georgia personality also came out under Mark Richt, at least, because they were always so faux tough. I mean, now look, I don't mean this in a way, in a derogatory way, as it sounds, I guess, Um, because everybody on that team could whip our asses easily. But what (laughs) I mean is towards, as Alabama was pulling away, in fact, there was one time in there where Georgia fan, a Georgia player actually got two personal foul late hit out of bounds penalties back to back because they're not disciplined. They only know intimidation. Alabama, know, you know, there's tough, and then there's acting tough. Tough is when the tough gets going, you whip somebody's ass. Acting tough is, uh, hold me back, hold me back. And then they say, I can't hold you back anymore. You're like, oh, shit. Yeah, um, now I'm out of options. And I've got to, yeah, and, or when you get your ass beat, you, you know, you go over there and you punch a mailbox. I mean, congratulations, you still got the hell beat out of you. I, that's great that you can punch a mailbox. It was that dude that was wailing on you a few minutes ago you should have focused on. <laughs> yeah, I think Georgia – And that's what, that's what I think yeah, Georgia is. Tough to me also means you just find a way to win the game. 
and and so many of Saban's teams have been tough because we've won games every way possible. And uh, in that Georgia game, the one that we're breaking down today, uh, the offense was impressive because Jake Coker was very efficient. Calvin Ridley had a coming out game as a true freshman. And Derrick Henry did Derrick Henry type things that would eventually lead to a Heisman Trophy that season. Uh, All of those things were the reason we won. But here's why we also won, because we had a couple of knots, the not offensive touchdowns. Minka Fitzpatrick blocks a punt and scores. Eddie Jackson picks off a ball and houses it. That that's that's what's called finding ways to win the game, uh, particularly when it's a bad weather game and anything can go wrong. So Alabama's teams under Nick Saban always very very tough. They found ways to win. Georgia, extremely talented. Maybe they were physically impressive. Maybe they made a lot of highlight plays. Maybe they had a lot of players that even had have had some success at the next level. But Georgia under Rick in these big, big games would often find ways not to win. Yeah, he would. And speaking of Eddie Jackson's fumble, I mean, excuse me, Eddie Jackson interception return for a touchdown. And this is something that stood out to me the moment I remember watching this game on my DVR when I came home from it. And every time I watch this game, I have to watch that play because as the ball is being released, because Georgia made a, a quarterback change at halftime to Bryce Ramsey, or is it? Yeah, Rice Ramsey. Ramsey. Right. He's sort of like he's sort of like Jennings Hester or, or Jennings Jester. We don't know really what his name is. It's been turned around so many times. Um, but Bryce Ramsey comes in, throws the pick in midair. You hear somebody in the background clearly say, "Oh yeah," and I don't know if he if he was thinking George is going to score a touchdown because his man's open, or if he knew we were about to pick it off. I like to imagine that he knew we were going to pick it off because I think that makes it seem cooler. But he, he goes, oh, yeah. And as soon as he finishes saying, yeah, Eddie Jackson picks it off and takes it to the crib. And I challenge – everybody's got to go to check out that play. Just go to the it's, – it's literally like the second play of the second half. And yep. Eddie Jackson picks it off. And just before that, I'm talking – it's as if he's next to Vern Lundquist saying it. Did you notice it? I don't – no, I, I, I know. I mean, I did. I mean, I'm not. I'm, I'm sure you're 100 percent right, but it didn't stand out to me. I guess I was just watching the, watching the play. I like, I like trying to watch not the ball. I mean, you know, whenever I watch a game like anybody else, first time I ever see it. I mean, all you do is you watch the ball, like when you go to the games. But when I watch the playbacks and the tape, I, I try to watch and see everything that's happening and not just the ball. And and I remember watching the DB pieces move around. You know. uh and not so much the audio of it. All right. Well, hang on. I, you, you just you keep talking about it because I'm going to find it here in a second. <laughs> and I'm going to play it because it really it really did. Gary is, Danielson uh, say it, or did Vern's spotter say it? No, did, I did. You, it, you, it, and you know, hang on. I got, a, I got to turn it up now. Here, there's here a spotter. It's sort is, of a production. Did you hear that? I'm going to do it again. <laughs> All right, do it again. Can you hear it clearly? Yes. Okay, here we go. Here's the plan. Did you get it? Uh, it's probably just because of that. I bet people listening can can pick up on it. I still, but I'm I'm going to watch it again uh, this afternoon. Or just, just at least that little 
thing to see if I can. I wonder if it's Vern, you know, those, it's not just Vern and Gary in the booth. It could be someone with that's near one of the mics. So it might have been their production assistant, you know, who sometimes they refer to as the spotter, the one that's always helping them with who made the tackle, you know, what number is that, who came in. Or it could have been somebody in the truck. Sometimes the production truck can have a live mic. I don't want it to be that, though, because that would lend a lot of credence to the CBS Loves Alabama thing, which we all think the opposite. But I don't want that. Like, can you imagine if, like, a photo leaked of here's Vern and Gary and their spotter, Larry, who's decked out in a bunch of Alabama? <laughs> that, would actually be, that would actually be great. No, this guy who says that is obviously more – he's not – he's too country to be a spotter. I mean, he could be a spotter for the uh, uh, LaFleur uh, Spanish Fort game, but he can't well, be a spotter for the SEC game of the week on CBS. And then also when you're watching on DirecTV or Dish Network Satellite, I get confused about the timing of everything because when you're watching on DirecTV or Dish, you're, you're watching what happened a few seconds ago. You're not watching instantaneously on the field because before you can see that picture in your house, the video has to That's be true. shot. And then they send the video to space and then it's returned to your home. This can take a second or two. So it's already yeah, but happened the, the by the time you're seeing it. it. But the audio has got to be synced up with it. You would think <laughs> it does. You would think it does. But I don't know. The audio. All right. I, I like your video to space theory, but the audio goes with it. So no, I would I'm not think so. It. And by the um, Louis C.K., who you know I love, had a um, had a big bit on uh, everything going to space like that. He said um, he was sitting next to a dude who was uh, being a, kind of an asshole about his phone or whatever. Like he was, he texted. He said, "Did you get that text I sent you? I sent you." And he said, "Well, no." He said, "Well, I just sent it. Why the hell have you gotten it?" And he said, "Man, it's got to go to space." Let it go to space and come back. He said, whatever dumbass joke you were going to send me doesn't matter anyway. He said, he said like, what, like you, what you were going to send me was important. It didn't make a shit. It, I don't care if I ever get it. He said, if I get it in a month, it's a miracle of science. That's true. Uh, boy. And boy, will the complainer, boy, will the complainers be out about a week from now. Oh, my gosh. What's the world oh, going to be like no in a week? Oh, dude, yep. they're going to cut off our YouTubes and everything. Um, <laughs> all right, Jimmy. Well, that's next time. What do you say we do A&M 15? Like two games after this one, because that game was A&M fun. 15, I think, off the top of my head, is that – that's not Jonathan Allen Superman. That was 17. No. That was – well, first of all, Jonathan Allen Superman, I think, was 16, and that was in Tuscaloosa. 15 A&M was in College Station. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. Let's watch it. Let's do it. Yeah. All right, 15 a.m. Right, so we'll, coming we'll be, up tomorrow or the next, the y'all next stay podcast after this these, uh, And I know y'all got to be sick of watching the damn news, so y'all just hang with us. What the hell else you got to do? Hell, watch the 2015 Alabama Texas A&M game. Why not? That's fine. Yeah, we're, we're in. We're in, baby. We're in. All right, man. Roll tight, everybody. Roll tight.